It's an older code, sir, but it checks out. All right, hello, welcome to the Weekly Song Podcast. This is one of those elusive out-of-season episodes where we talk about uh, something off of an email or something that we just fancy talking about. My name is Roger Heathers, and with me, as always, is my co-host Declan Kitchener. How are you doing, Declan? I'm doing fine, thank you. Just sipping down on my caramel macchiato in, in a place of actual coffee. Oh, that actually sounds really nice. Yes, it does. <laughs> oh, wait, is that like an iced coffee? Like a cold yes. one? Yeah, it is, yeah. I, uh, that was the show. Thanks, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Declan, I need to take you outside, have a word with you about your coffee habits. You're getting out of control. <laughs> I like the idea. I, I'd take you aside, even though it's just you and I. <laughs> um, we've got a, let's go to the next room. But it's just you and me here. <laughs> yeah. This, the room doesn't need to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, on the other hand, have got some, uh, hazelnut coffee oh yes Ooh. Ooh. Uh, so I think you got the email over there um, prepared but I, we've got an email from Noah a listener to the show uh, who was asking about chords and things like that and we thought that would make a kind of cool uh, bonus episode out of season so um, what do you reckon there old Declan uh, well, I'll, I'll read out the interview, uh, shall I? I should just point out that we're not doing like songwriting this week. Uh, we haven't written a song in a week. We're literally just chatting. Um, so the email uh, reads, Roger mentions on the Writes a Song on Air podcast that he might do one about chords soon. would be great to hear your thoughts on how and when to use chord extensions and variations, uh, in particular, diminished chords. So we are now going to spend far too much time waffling on about our potential answers to that one. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Uh, so, I mean, chord extensions. Uh, I suppose it would be good to just kind of like slowly go through and define what these things are. Um, <laughs> if only for our own good, let alone anybody else's, just to um, keep us I'll in be context. learning live on air. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Um, so I guess uh, an extension w- could be something like um, a sustained four um, or an augmentation, that sort of thing. Is that what you're getting from that, Declan? Uh, yeah, that's basically how I think. I was thinking more in terms of um, suspensions rather than augmentations. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think the key thing with using suspensions is that they have a more ambiguous sound than a regular chord so you really need to use them in places that desire to be more ambiguous like this is kind of the thing we will say out front about every chord variation that we're going to talk about today it doesn't, oh yeah it, it does not make any sense to put it in if it doesn't need to be there blitzkrieg bob would not sound good if it had a load of diminished and uh sus you know sus nines or whatever it is <laughs> that's the best example you could have said totally imagine it was like do 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 yeah it just suddenly turns into classical music halfway through <laughs> yeah like a kind of like baroque fugue sort of thing for like great pop um so i'd I mean, actually really like to hear that version just to see how bad it would be <laughs> Oh, so would I. Somebody needs to do that. If anyone's listening, you go, I, I think I could do a Blitzkrieg fugue. Then <laughs> Blitzkrieg fugue. Blimey. Um. <laughs> That's quite something, yeah. Yes. Uh, but like a good example of a song that does need more ambiguous chords and uh, uses them 
sparingly but well i think is i'm not in love 10 cc particularly the, i'm thinking of the intro where you've got like the sung notes sort of fading in and out Yeah, definitely. That's a great example. And uh, it's a really cool one uh, where it kind of... It's unusual and uh, sort of like uh, unconventional in a sense, but it sounds so radio-friendly, you know? Well, it also completely 100% fits the tone of the song because, like, uh, the lyric is saying one thing, but the actual meaning is something else. So the ambiguity in the music sort of helps with that. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um I think uh, it would be kind of cool at this stage to um, to just uh, define uh, a regular yeah, chord and a sus4. So, for example, if you take C, and it's a little bit different from C sus4, um, and they can kind of go together quite effectively when you're writing. Um, but to hear the difference, I think, is, is a cool thing. Uh, well, essentially, a suspension is just when you suspend another note within a chord. Uh, so, in the example that we... We're just mentioning uh, there, uh, C sus4, your regular C chord is C, E, and G. Uh, and a C sus4 is suspending a F in that, uh, which doesn't normally belong there. And as Roger intimated, you can get some cool movement out of that. Uh, in fact, one of the most famous guitar moves is kind of a suspension. Uh, give me one second. So uh, this move... Uh, I apologise for the out-of-tune guitar, uh, but that is just moving from an E chord to an E sus six chord. It's a it's a great move. It's classic, and uh, yeah, I mean it's it's one of those things where I think the th- first thing I notice with um, any extension chords, um, particularly sus four or or six chords or anything like that, is that they're quite often used as a secondary chord. Um, so if you're writing a song in C major, let's say, um, you could base your verse around maybe C major and then have C sus4 come in at certain points to like change the character or flavour of the song or the feel of the chords. Um, but I think it's unusual. I don't know what you'd reckon of this, Declan. Unusual to kind of like start a song strumming on a C sus4 it can be done, of course, but it's like it's. I usually would like to a point out record. that at, le- at least one of my songs starts strumming on a C sus four. And I hate it. No, I'm joking. I, I, which one was that? Uh, that was Tales You Tell, which is all based around suspensions. So, like, that that verse in that song is specifically constructed so that you don't hit the plain root chord until you get to the chorus. At That's which point, r- everything... It, it starts off as not in love, and then the chorus, it goes to Blitzkrieg Bop. <laughs> <laughs> it's, um, it's a really cool thing, too. I think that's the thing with, with any unusual chords... Um, 
you know, looking at it in a general way, is if you can kind of hold off on uh, moving to a solid chord like a one, a four, or a five um, until, let's say, the chorus, I think that has a really uh, interesting sound, you know. Hmm. Because you're moving from a point of ambiguity, which verses tend to be asking questions, uh, to a point of solidity, where choruses tend to be providing answers or at least a more you know, cent- uh, central theme to whatever song it is that you're doing. You know what would be really cool is, um, I might have to try this one day, to write a song where the first verse is all um, suspended chords and that sort of thing, you know, no real um, resolution to them. But then when the chorus comes in, you somehow manage to wangle it so that you suss for yourself into a new key. So you modulate the chorus and only uh, then you start using... Tells you tell does that. Ah, oh, what? Oh, I'm late <laughs> to the party. The verses are in C and the choruses are in B flat. Damn, you're good. You're <laughs> I good. was good. I was good in the past. <laughs> um... One thing to note about using uh, sus chords as well, and this goes for other variations, but in particular sus chords, is they really help with um, creating more complex or ambiguous melodies. Uh, because you've got all these extra notes hanging around in these chords, you're not uh, restricted so much to just land on one of the three major parts of the tritone. Uh, mm. So it, if you're writing a phrase that ends on a C chord, uh, you to make it sound nice, you might want to end on C, E, or G. Uh, if you've got like a sus six, which would have an A in there, you've then got an option of going up to that A as well, which can then help you transition into other chords. Uh, so it's very easy, for example, to go from a C sus six to an A minor because you're just taking out one note, uh, which you know can help transition sound smoother particularly if you've got melody lines around the suspended notes. Absolutely, yeah. I think that's a really good way to to approach it. And even to start implementing that chord um, into songwriting. Another cool thing to do, I think, with um, sus4 chords, and even kind of extending it up further, um, is to... It's kind of like an understated way of, rather than going from C major to F major, you can go from C major to C sus4. Um, so you're obviously using different notes, but it implies it, it implies that same change, but in a, a lesser way, because you're simply moving to the F. Um, it would become an F major chord. Um, the C sus4 would become an F major chord if you were to move uh, the G to an A. Um, but it's only one note's difference, and it creates a little bit more, but like you said before, ambiguity. Hmm. Well, kind of what a cool thing... Uh, to do with suspended chords as kind of as intimated earlier with the uh, sus6 Chuck Berry kind of uh, movement is that it enables you to have a lot of movement in your top section in your harmony section while keeping your bass grounded and solid (laughs) not necessarily playing on the one note but it sort of gives you a a real weight to the chord that you're centred around and enable like a great shift of weight when you move to another chord but it also allows you to actually have some movement so that you're not literally just like droning on for argument's sake an E for ages. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. I mean, I had a very immediate example of this um, just before uh, we jumped on to do the podcast. I was uh, doing a cover uh, for somebody of uh, Everybody Needs Somebody to Love from the Blues Brothers movie. Everybody! 
and uh, it's got a really cool example where the bass kind of like stays on um, a C major, dum 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 dum, where um, what you just described with um, suspensions going on, um, you have you have it kind of jump up from C to F, but with C in the bass up to uh, let me see what's that G B flat C. I'm not quite sure of the name of that chord. Uh, kind of like a C7 without the E, without the third. Um, but I thought that was a really interesting way of doing it, that, that. And one thing I found which was quite cool for uh, arranging things, interestingly, is you kind of have two choices. And by implementing both of these choices into an arrangement, you have uh, quite a versatility to, to your arrangement. And what I'm talking about here is... Um, you can do the the Chuck Berry type of thing you were talking about, where you have suspensions going on in the top uh, register of the arrangement, but in the bottom you have the bass pedaling on that one bass note, you know. But then you also have the option of, as the suspensions go, you can substitute the bass um, to move around to different chords, to where it's actually creating new chords uh, by following where the suspension is going. So you actually have the ability to have either a very solid bass or um, a moving bass. Uh, well, this is kind of what we ended up talking about a lot in the earlier seasons of the podcast, is the power of actually using your bass notes to change what the chord is. Uh, like, even if you do a simple exercise of, like, uh, taking a song with C in it uh, and then changing where the C hits to having, like, an E in the bass or a G in the bass you can create mm. some really different tonal um, tonal possibilities there, which are only heightened if you put more suspensions in. Absolutely. And I think it, it enriches songwriting and creates a more sophisticated sound. Um, but it's such a surprise when you first do that, isn't it? When you go like, oh, I'm going to put, um, like you were saying, playing C major, let's say, in the right hand of the piano and playing an E in the left hand of the piano rather than a C being the root. Uh, it just gives you such a different sound, almost surprisingly so, where you go, wait a second, this is the same, this is within the chord, why does it sound so different, you know? Well, it's kind of like a good thing to help transition between chords as well, like uh, the song Use Somebody, Kings of Leon, that's uh, a C, a C over E and an F. Like So throughout that short chord sequence, you are sort of feeling the travelling upwards towards the F. Simple, Definitely. but it works. I love that kind of stuff. It's that's the kind of stuff that really draws me in when I listen to a, a new band or an old band. Even is when you know, say they've got a progression that goes C, F, G, A minor. Um, you know, having that chord progression, but doing what you said there with having C, C over E, and then F, and then go to the G, and then maybe between the G and the A minor, rather than just going G for a bar, a, mi- a minor for a bar, you can go G for two beats, G sharp diminished for two beats, and then up to A minor. And I'm aware we're talking about diminished now, but just the fact that somebody can uh, take quite a simple four chord progression and actually really spice it up in quite simple ways is really interesting to me. Well, it uh, sort of helps uh, keep... Uh, it means you can do like less work in the right hand if you're like handing it off to your left to create more unusual chords like i'll give an example of a proper uh artist doing this and then 
myself doing this. Uh, uh, in terms of myself doing it, uh, the song Pause is built around a D major, uh, D major seventh, going up to some variation of E minor that I cannot remember for the life of me. But you're changing the bass every time, so it raises D, E, F sharp, G. patterns that's kind of cool and then like a example of like a proper artist doing it and i think it's something i've mentioned on the podcast before uh, but it is one of my favorite songs of all time uh, is nina simone uh, my baby just cares for me Song. Yeah, well, you've got a bass doing a walking bass line doing a lot of the work and like changing like what the chords would be over the top of it. Because if you just played the chords to that song as is, it could be very boring. But as it is, it's actually got some stuff going on there, which is pretty fucking cool. Totally agree. Totally agree. I mean, th- there's also different things I think where. Uh, I can't think of any particular songs which do this, but just for the sake of hearing the chords themselves. um, Thinking in terms of the piano, but this also works for just arranging for a band, you know, so let's think of the right hand of of the piano player and the left hand of the piano player being analogous to the lead guitarist and the bassist, uh, respectively. So, I mean, you can do things like the right hand of the piano slash the lead guitarist in the band could play an E diminished. Um... And you could have the bassist or the left hand of the piano uh, play simply a C. So what for at first might appear to be an E diminished chord actually becomes a C7, um, once you add in just one simple bass note. And then, you know, you can get... You can appear to, to be really kind of theoretical and cool and all this stuff by simply changing that down to, uh, you know, let's say a G. So now you've got a C7, uh, but an inversion. So C7 o- over G, but without the C. Um, and there's all these different things where you can just move that around. Um, I'll talk a little bit later about one of my favourite ways that, that this works with non-diatonic chords, but that as a kickoff is really cool, isn't it? Just to kind of have the bass decide what the chord's called. I mean, the bass is such an overpowered tool that a lot of people do not give enough thought to, ourselves included at times. Yeah. Um, because obviously we're brilliant the rest of the time. Um, but uh, yeah, seriously, if you are, if you are interested in songwriting and you have never tried messing around with the bass before and doing interesting things with that or like the root note of the chord, have some fun and your songwriting will be improved. <laughs> oh, for sure. I mean, this might be implied in what we just spoke about but it actually goes the other way so if you know if you kind of got a c major chord uh, as the first chord of your verse for example let's say and you go you know what i kind of want to spice this up a little bit so if your c major goes on for one bar you have two have two beats of the bar be a regular old c major keep that c in the bass and then for the three and four of those of that bar uh, move up to that e diminished and then you have a c7 Um, and you can take that in many many different directions you can take one whole bar of c major and um 
depending how jazzy you are, um, make every single beat a different chord but have the same bass. So what? I mean, that's kind of where songwriting turns into arranging. But it can it can happen at the songwriting stage as well, just by thinking about little tiny things you can change within a bar. You don't even need to just uh, sort of move the bass around within its own chord, as it were. You can actually like hold a bass chord, a bass note, and move the chords on top of that. Like one really cool thing that you can do, which tends to work quite well, is uh, if you're on the four. Uh, so going back to C, because we seem to be using that a lot today, uh, which would be F in that situation. If you keep the F in the bass and move up to a G, you suddenly introduce this tentativeness in between those two chords, <laughs> like, which is kind of cool, uh, sort of delaying your resolving to the root, which in this case is C. Uh, that's just one example, but you can do that for so many parts of chord sequences. It's just really cool. And I like. Definitely, definitely. And I mean, another thing you can kind of do in that vein is play... I'm talking about on the piano here, but this works for arrangements as well. Playing two different chords um, at the same time. You know, playing an A minor in the left hand and a C major in the right hand... Uh, creates an A minor seven. Uh, uh, I should point out that Roger is weird and he plays chords in both hands as opposed to playing <laughs> notes in the left. This is true. I mean, I, something... I would also point out that I'm slightly weird and I play octaves in the left exclusively. But <laughs> I mean, usually I play um, just root and fifth or root and fifth um, in the in the left hand when I play the piano. But I mean, you know, the point still stands. If you play two chords at the same time, you do get. Um, a resulting chord from that and especially if you're kind of if you write on the piano and you go oh you know i haven't been playing piano for that long but it's i would like to improve my chord game you know even something as simple as playing two triads at the same time but just in different places can like take your writing to another dimension without really any uh technical know-how you know well, this is something that also applies, like we were mentioning earlier, to arrangements within bands. Like you can have uh, one guitar playing an A minor and then one guitar playing like a C shape above it. But the result of those two sounds, so long as they're harmonious, meshing together will give you this extended chord. Yeah, totally. That's that's a really cool way to do it. Um, yeah, I mean, there's so many cool things you can do with that. I went through a, a stage of just playing like every other chord... Um, like two tones above or like two, two increments of the of the major scale above so if i was playing a c major on the piano i would also play i'd play a c major in the left hand and an e minor in the uh in the right hand giving me a, a c major seven um but it's it's got a different it's got a different sound to if you just play a straight c major seven with a c in the bass it's kind of got like this more rich jazzy sound I've kind of gone through that phase a little bit now, so I don't do that so much because it, those chords can sound a little bit muddied if every single chord in a verse is is a dual chord uh, or a combined left and right hand, I should say. Um, but certainly an interesting exercise to try out. It's an interesting way of generating a tonal centre for a song or like to add uh, ambiguity and interest at the correct moment, which uh, you know is basically what you should be using all of these chords for. Like extending the mood of the piece currently. Definitely, definitely. Um, uh, I was going to mention this earlier anyway, but I think it's a cool one to do. Um, so, 
in C major again, mm-hmm. um, the third of the scale diatonically is E minor. Now, a cool thing to do when you're writing um, in any major scale, but again, taking C major as an example, is to change the minor chord to a major chord. Um, this so, creates... are you talking about A minor here? Uh, no, no, E uh, the third of the scale, E minor. Oh, okay. Um, to make that a major major chord um, creates a different feel to begin with. Um, to further, you know, flavor that chord, you can make it into an E7 by adding a D anywhere in the arrangement. But a kind of cool thing to do, again, and playing two chords at the same time, or even just, um, let's take the, a simpler example of playing an E in the bass or left hand, and then playing a G-sharp diminished in the right hand. Now, Simpler, the, yes. The, the, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Maybe not, uh, uh, you know, totally straightforward. But uh, I just, one of my favourite things to do is if I'm playing an E7 in the context of C major, um, mm. taking an E in the bass and playing a G-sharp diminished over that. Now you can sub that out for playing an E in the bass and a B diminished on top. Or you can play, uh, change it out for an E in the bass and a D uh, and a D diminished on top, or F diminished on top, and you can keep on going up this diminished ladder, um, just on and on and on and on and on. And not only can you do that, which creates this incredible sound, but you can actually change the bass as well. So what was originally, say you're looking at a chord sheet and you go, oh, there's a, this song's in C major, and it seems that there's an E7, um, let's say, just before the bridge. And you go, oh, I wonder what, as a piano player, or guitar player, or songwriter, I can do with this. Um, you could take that uh, E7, and like I say, change the right hand so it's, um, you know, G sharp diminished, B diminished, D diminished, F diminished, that sort of thing. But you can also change the bass. So the bass is instead of an E, a G sharp, or a B, So which is, you know, fairly straightforward when it comes to um, uh, reharmonizing the bass um, of an E major chord or an E seven chord, but then you, you can s- kind of you like... say it's simple. I've I've got lost. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, once we once we got the sounds in, it should um it should be a little bit more easy to under- to like follow and that sort of thing. I hope but, so. I've got to put them in. But basically, you kind of this is the thing. This is the thing that really gets me and excites me. I've been doing this for like the last year. It's like whenever I play a seven chord, suddenly Whoa. I realize oh I've got this like series of diminished chords and bass notes which are at my disposal so an e7 can be subbed out for so so many different things just by changing the right hand or by changing the bass to um e g sharp b d f anything in that diminished scale that is completely non-diatonic to where we started with c major does cool. that make any sense or is, that, is there anything i should I, clarify I, in that? I got lost for about halfway of that i must admit <laughs> are you talking about running up the diminished basically uh, I think so. Yeah, yeah. Basically, the thing with diminished is that you can move three semitones in each, and because uh, there are only twelve notes in a semitone, you get back to like the original note that you were at. Uh, because uh, from the root to a minor note, it's only three each time, which is the first part of a diminished chord. So you just run up the diminished, and you'll get back to where you started. And it's just a cool way of like putting some impressive sounding movement in there without actually like having to work out complicated uh chord roots to get you back to where you need to be yeah yeah definitely i mean that's that's the thing it's um it's just like the question of what can you swap out a 
a chord and a progression um, for that would make it really exciting and interesting. And I think diminished chords rather than uh, seven chords um, can be a really interesting way to go. Well, they're part of one of the same. Uh, like, if you extend a chord out, uh, you're going to end up with minor or diminished chords in there somewhere if you just keep like expanding two notes above each time. Uh, but that's kind of a fun thing to do. Like from a, what I quite like to do is like have a fifth go to a diminished. If we're talking uh, of keeping things in a diatonic scale, which is just a regular like major minor minor major major minor diminished uh, uh, setting, is go from your fifth, run that up to the diminished, and it's kind of like a heightening because essentially what you've just done is you've put the seventh on that uh, fifth chord uh, but then you've also run the bass up to what is in essence the third of that so like it, you've just heightened getting back to uh, the root, it's kind of a similar thing uh, to what we were talking about earlier where you have the root uh, you go up to a major third and then you go up to the fourth it's the same principle in action yeah, definitely. And I, I think just looking at the scale in front of me now, you know, C to C, um, there is that uh, temptation always for me to, if I'm going from, you know, uh, C to F, 1 to 4, like you were just talking about, to include that E in there, just because it's it's a step in between. And it kind of goes the same way when you get into diminished stuff too. So, like, say in the context of C major, you you want to go from the four F to the five G, um, and you have a little bit of time to linger at that part of the arrangement. You can actually go F major and then go non-diatonic simply by changing one note, F up to F sharp. So you have F sharp diminished and then G. So like before you had just do do and then you have do 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 and it's just a more interesting sort of uh sound i think but you could also sub out that f diminished for just a d which works as well like essentially that's like f uh d7 over f sharp g but you've just taken out the d in the right hand chord Totally, and that's that's it, where it gets kind interesting of, for me. Yeah, well, this is kind of one of the cool things that I was saying literally a second ago. You can just expand up and down chords and chop bits of chords out, and you suddenly got interesting things that fulfil a lot of the same role. And you look clever because you've <laughs> because you've yeah. had your chords to pieces. <laughs> that's the thing. I think that that was a real um, uh, fun moment for me. You know, in learning about chords over the years, is when I realised, like you say. Because um, it was always my move to go, uh, you know, like I said, F, F sharp diminished G. But then, like you said, when you realize that actually you're just playing the upper part of a D7 chord, you know, and you can actually just make that a D, or instead you can go uh, F, and then the middle chord, which we're adding in, could even just be D minor, and then up to the G. Um, you know, the D being the uh, subdominant, or what would you call it, the secondary dominant that's the that's the thing of g you know and there's there's all these different things you can do and um and again you can look at the uh f major to g major example again um and then bridge those two chords with instead of an f sharp diminished um an a diminished um and then you that i'm just the reason i say that is because then you can go up that diminished scale 
ladder again, which um, could lead you to some really interesting places. But it's like putting a seventh on the F. Yeah, 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 exactly. Hmm. That's uh, there's, these are all good, clean ways to have good, clean fun if you're talking within like the standard major scale, diatonically. Uh, the real fun with all of this stuff comes when you start venturing beyond that land uh, and you head off into the uncharted territory of non-diatonic uh, non chord sequences. Ooh. Can you give us an example? Well, one of my... I'm glad you asked. <laughs> um, the song I actually am thinking of is uh, Isn't It a Pity by George Harrison. based around the chord of G uh, but it moves a lot in really weird ways out of key and then back into that G um, particularly on the lyric how we break each other's hearts uh, it moves from a G to a G diminished hmm. uh, and then to a C6 and back to G and considering it's meant to be in the key of G, how we take each other's love um, in the next verse goes up to an A7, which is outside of the scale. Mm. And the whole effect is that you're creating these little moments of like hope and moments of despair within uh, this one repeating pattern. That's great. I like uh, that. Which... Um, I mean, if you've never heard that song, come and give it a listen. It's really good. Oh, that's that's a really interesting way to take it, isn't it? I mean, and I think that's almost a, an area where you get, like, less theoretical in the approach to how you're writing and more just like, oh, let's see what this sounds like, you know? Um, that's most of my writing in a nutshell there, just, like, throwing chords at each other and seeing what sticks. <laughs> Definitely. And I think that's where you come up with the most surprising results. Um, I know for me personally, if if I get into a rut of like writing uh, simply within the major scale, which at this point I know like the back of my hand diatonically, and then adding in all my favourite little non-diatonic um, substitutions and extra chords, I can kind of be painting with the same palette for ages. Whereas something like you like you just described with the George Harrison thing of having a song in G, and uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but the very next chord being G diminished. I mean. That's a real uh, experiment to me. Well, the thing is, diminished chord, and I am going to go off on a bit of a thing about diminished chords here, but I just love them because they are so uneasy 
and they're so fun to substitute into various positions like I said one thing to do with them diatonically because they're the seventh position and you don't really use that a lot is to use them as an ascension of the fifth chord in the scale uh, which I have done on Shape My Days um, but they're just fun to sub out into the wrong places it were so for example one of my songs Binary Gossip starts off in E major uh, and then suddenly uh, goes down to the fourth, which should be A flat, but instead it's A flat diminished, hmm. which sort of sets that up as sounding wrong beforehand. Uh, and then recently on I Connected You, in the chorus, like you've got the song is very firmly established as being in C sharp major. It goes down to what would normally be the sixth, which would be a B flat minor, except it's not <laughs> it's um it's a b flat diminished and it hmm. just sounds unusual like you weren't expecting it there which i kind of like but there's also yeah. you can you can also use that to sort of move again the slightly george harrison way move on your root notes to create a little bit of variation uh example with this queen in the lap of the gods uh not the wembley uh one not revisit the original I live my life for you sleep all my thoughts with you and only anything you ask I do for you It's on the uh, I live my life. It's a live my. It's going from C to C diminished to C to F. I like that. That's that's unusual as well. Gives it a real musical-y thing. It's um, diminished chords don't work all the time, but like just putting them in places where they shouldn't be is kind of sounds cheeky to me. Like you know, oh, hold on. <laughs> yeah, I, something's I think... off here. I think the thing I like about diminished chords is I think when we when we start to talk about the theory of it um, quite in depth, which obviously we, we're bound to on uh, on our podcast, um, but it can become a little bit uh, academic. But right. I think the thing these are I'd... the rules and you must stick with them. These are the correct places for all of these chords and there shall be no other. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, but but the thing I think that really appeals to me about diminished chords is that they're kind of trademark. They're like a really nice detail to have on a song, particularly if you're giving an artist a listen for the first time and, you know, all of a sudden out of the blue, especially in quite a creative space, if they include a diminished chord um, as part of their songwriting and it's your first exposure to them, you go, ooh, something interesting is happening here. But I think the thing I wanted to say was that it doesn't even really take, uh, you know... A musician who knows their music theory to go, oh wow, what was that? I think the the visceral effect of a diminished chord when you listen to a song that has one in a prominent place is, oh, what was that? That made me feel a little, little bit different. I wasn't expecting it to go into such an unusual place so quickly. Yeah, like uh, because all of the chords we talked about today have more ambiguous tones than they have more interesting sounds than just your standard major minor minor major major minor diminished run. Uh, and with the prevalent, uh, prevalence of uh, EDM and more sample-based music, where like the actual music tends towards being more simplistic and sticking more within a diatonic scale, 
the effect of using these non-diatonic chords <laughs> uh, only heightens the sort of wow look how clever they are effect of um <laughs> of using them in what i'm saying is that you can get like massive brownie points and appear that you are the einstein of songwriting uh if uh, <laughs> if you use one of these in the right place definitely uh, when I in wish fact I... you are just an idiot <laughs> with a guitar going like <laughs> look i learned this chord yesterday it, <laughs> it goes sad definitely i mean there's just something so interesting to me about a diminished chord which is by itself um i think it's worth saying a rather an ugly chord to just hear particularly if it's repeated um but in the context of of major chords minor chords a few suspended chords um, and, you know, more than anything, a good song, a well-written song. A diminished chord just kind of jumps out at you whether you know what it is or not, you know. <laughs> and I mean, there are so many times... Before I even knew what a diminished chord was, I liked them, put it that way. There are so many examples, which I can think of none of at the moment, where um, I stuck a record on for the first time and then the chorus kicked in and there was a diminished chord yet there and I didn't know what it was yet and I went, oh my God, these people are geniuses! And, you know... It's just that exciting thing, and I think that's that's why they come up so often for us, you know, just because they're so interesting. Well, this is why a lot of what we've talked about uh, today comes up for us. It's just because it's more interesting to talk about, and it's more interesting to hear within specific scenarios. Like, you know, I was kind of uh, dumping on EDM and, like, sample-based music for being more simplistic, but, hey, time and a place for that. Like I say... Blitzkrieg Bop would not be improved with lush uh, suspensions or like diminished chords or like bass substitutions. Um, neither would those genres. But if you are in the habit of trying to write songs that are more interesting than your standard fare, or you're trying to like do something a bit more, uh, for lack of a comp- uh, for lack of a better word, more complex. Um, then uh you know those genres or like something something more interesting these are the tools of your trade and you kind of need to be willing to experiment with them and like put them in wherever you can wherever they fit definitely and i I think it's a great thing to experiment with particularly if you if you have started writing songs recently or you write with fairly diatonic chords but you would like to go in a new direction um i think one cool exercise to try is um is to write your song, uh, but as you're writing, let's say you've got a progression that goes C major, G major, A minor. We touched on this a little bit earlier, but just as to uh, make an exercise from it, if, you, if people wanted to try it, you go C major, G major, A diminished. And all I'm doing there is I'm not being smart or anything like that, I'm just changing out one of my chords for um, a minor chord to a diminished chord. You could do the same with C major, G diminished, A minor. And it might sound like crap to you, <laughs> but um, but then, you know, you go, okay, that didn't work. And I think that's the thing. It's a trial and error thing. You go, now I know how to make a diminished chord or make a diminished chord out of something else. Um, it's just a case of, like, trying it in a few different places. And then I think quite quickly, I don't know about you, Declan, but I certainly found that once I started to use diminished chords consciously, um, I sort of found where my, where my favourite places were to put them. Some far more unusual than others, but certainly uh, they become part of your toolbox, don't they? Yeah, well, you're talking to the person who is uh, diminished mad, trademark. Um, <laughs> trademark. Uh, but it it's... Um... 
it's a matter, like you say, it's a matter of trial and error. It's a matter of throwing cords at the wall and seeing what sticks. And then you you will just come up with the way that you like to put these things in. And it may be that you don't like to put these things in. That's mm. fine. Like, that's just the way you, you will write songs. But, you know, at least you're trying. Uh, at least you're, like, experimenting with this stuff. Definitely. And I think um, it's worth saying that these type of chords and extensions will only apply to, like, a certain type of songwriter. I think, uh, you know, if if you're primarily a lyricist and singer and you play the guitar and you accompany yourself with a few different chords, I think crowbarring in diminished chords because you've heard about them isn't necessarily the best thing. But if, you, if I mean, you're into- to, to give an example, like Bob Dylan is one of the greatest songwriters of all time and he rarely uses any of this stuff. Yeah, exactly. It's it's like different strokes for different folks, but I think you'll kind of know if it works for you just in the sense that if you try try out a couple of diminished chords in your writing and you go, oh, this is... You feel like you... I, like got to the next level almost of like you, you i think once you start to use more unusual stuff you throw chords at the wall see what sticks and what sticks kind of becomes your sound so like you'll use diminished chords or like suspensions in quite a unique way i think like each songwriter is different in that sense and then you can sort of you end up like having uh just more interesting music as a result of it um and you can sort of see this happening with a lot of particularly a lot of bands from the 60s and the 70s, if I would just grab my out-of-tune guitar a second. So, like, you have, for example, The Who in the 60s going from a song that sounds like... Which is just basically, like, four and five going back and forth to having a song which starts with a whole series of, um, like, suspensions diminish, running down the course... etc. I'll stop there before I get done for copyright. <laughs> and that's, like, yeah, sorry, go on. I was just going to say, you can sort of see, like, even the great sort of develop with this stuff over time. Like, so, you know, if if it's not something you can do now, because I didn't use diminished calls for ages, because I just could not get my head around them, but even if you can't do it now, it's still something to keep in the back of your mind, because one day you will put one in and you will just think, <gasps> That works so well. Or you'll think, uh, I wonder what would happen if I changed the bass notes uh, of these chords. And then you'll think, oh, wow. It has to be with this over-exaggerated gasp as well. <laughs> like, uh, if you have this realisation and you don't do the, oh, my goodness, uh, you're, you're, you're not a real songwriter um, because you have not experienced the joy and wonder of over-exaggerating your reaction to uh, <laughs> sound waves. Look at me, I'm gatekeeping songwriting emotions here. <laughs> it's um I think that the the thing to bear in mind as well just with learning anything new musically is um or production wise or anything is is I think it's got to come from a place of excitement and experimentation um of like let's see what sticks and I, I don't know just uh I think my my favorite songs that I've enjoyed writing have been the ones where I'm just sat with the guitar or the piano and I go Oh, you know, it's almost like a leisurely thing rather than, you know, like, I have to write something quickly, which is usually what it is for us. But yeah. just kind of like changing your fingers around to like different uh, positions that you normally wouldn't go to. Um, you know, and even not knowing the, the name of a chord um, in, in a song you're, you're writing and just kind of like plonk your fingers down 
and go, oh, right, that sounds awful, plonk your fingers down in a different place, and you go suddenly, oh, you know, that's an interesting um, place to go with the song, and that takes absolutely no music theory. It's just a case of, like, seeing what you like the sound of, really. Well, that's kind of one way to uh, sort of introduce more complex chords uh, quicker and easier into your songwriting is to use alternate tunings, things like Dagad, uh, you know, uh, even something as simple as Drop D will give you some new chord shapes around the lower end of the guitar. Uh, like open tunings, things like that, because you'll hit your standard points and then you'll suddenly have these weird chords coming back at you. Um, I would always make the argument for like trying to learn as much stuff in standard as you can, uh, just because you'll be able to transfer that stuff more. But it's not a bad way of getting to grips with the with how these chords sound quickly. Definitely, definitely. Um, on a little bit of a different one, it just it makes me laugh. You were talking about when you first started uh, to become aware of and started to try and use diminished chords. You said you couldn't get on with them at first. I had the same thing, funnily enough, with um, the example of writing again in, in C major, for example. I'd go, OK, you've got your major scale here. You've got C, D, E, F, G, A, B, C. And like you rightly pointed out earlier, you have um, a mixture of major chords, minor chords, and diminished chords as part of the diatonic scale. And then I was like... I want to start writing with diminished chords because I've heard them and I like the sound of them and I know the name now. So I was like, what's our diminished chord in this scale? Oh, B diminished. And it's like, it didn't really seem to to like be a usable... It seemed to be like the runt of the litter as far as the uh, diatonic chords in the scale. It, it's almost like you've got like three, three majors and three minors, but there's just one chord that's made up of all the leftovers and it's just like... <laughs> Love me, somebody. <laughs> and the rest of the chords are just going, No, we shall not deal with you, your foul abomination. But we'll... oh, lovely. <laughs> the, re- the rest of the chords are like, We'll come and find you when we need a G7. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, look. Oh, look, we've managed to use you in a song, uh, Be Diminished. Really? Yes, we put you on the chorus, so we'll see you every single day. <laughs> Throw in be diminished a bone. <laughs> oh, we're yeah. such music nah. nerds. <laughs> yeah. Now scurry off back to your position at the end of the scale, be diminished. Yes, sir. Sorry, sir. <laughs> be thankful we didn't uh, get rid of you altogether. <laughs> <laughs> we could have used a G7 uh, quite as well. He's actually quite <laughs> miffed that he didn't get his chance to go in. Uh, it doesn't matter about it, man. <laughs> What the hell are we doing? <laughs> the acid's kicked in. Uh, oh, don't tell them, Roger. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it, it was interesting, isn't it? You know, it's like, what's that diminished chord for? And I think that's the bit where, like, it's not even for, like, reading about it or anything, but you just kind of get to the point where you go... Again, like I said earlier, just one real quick example is if you're playing a C major chord and you just Ooh. simply sharpen your root, you have a diminished chord already. It's C sharp diminished. That's the first two chords of um, Redmond Barry. That starts on a C, and then when it actually something happens, it goes to a C sharp diminished, and you've just raised one note. That's a gr- that song, Redmond Barry, is a really good example of how to use diminished chords. It's one of my favourite songs with diminished chords, and I love that one. Oh, thank you, thank you. Um, but yeah, to answer the question of when to use diminished chords, all the time, except in the places where they're actually meant to be. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so we've spoken about diminished chords and uh, sus chords. Is there any other kind of chord do you think uh, that comes to mind for you that you go, oh, that's one that's interesting to use or to hear? Well, one thing we didn't actually talk about was augmented chords, which are kind of like the opposite of diminished chords. Diminished chords are uh-huh. when you sort of 
lower the notes in a chord so that you end up with uh, the notes below where they should be in a standard chord. Augmented is kind of the opposite, uh, where you're moving the chord, uh, the notes in a chord up, a, you know, a semitone or something. Uh, so correct me if I'm wrong, but the James Bond theme is an example like dun 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 dun. Yeah, yeah. Or like a eight mile dun 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 dun, like that augments up. Hi, Declan here during the edit. Uh, just before I play you the clips, I just want to correct a couple of mistakes here. The James Bond theme does augment up, but it's not the tune, it's the backing, uh, which I'll just play you a little bit of at the beginning. Also, the Eminem song I was looking for was Lose Yourself, uh, although I was singing the right melody there. All right, back to the show. <laughs> Opportunity to seize everything you ever wanted. One moment that you capture, just let it slip. Yo, his palms are sweating. Definitely. I mean, uh, if I could give a couple of examples of ways I love to use the augmented chord just off my head, um, one way is um, playing in C major. Um, and say you're kind of playing. Uh, a pretty standard thing where your your verse starts on a C major chord and then eventually you want to get yourself to an F major chord, right? So Ooh. one to four, pretty standard move. So if you got uh, if you start your verse with C major and then take the G of that chord and make it uh, sharpened, uh, so it's now a C augmented, sharpen that Ooh. note again, so now you have an A minor inversion with the C in the bass, um, and then sharpen it one more time. So all you're doing is going do, just sharpening that that uh, top note to a B flat. Then you have a C seven, which is it perfectly wants to lead into playing an F major. So by simply going, you know, augmenting and then augmenting further, you kind of end up with this place where it just naturally you go. Oh right, now it's time to change, which is quite a nice thing. Yeah, it's kind of a good way to sort of build tension upwards, uh, as opposed to suspensions because if, if you use enough of them in a run some of them are suspensions as well but uh like uh, i hate going to queen for every single example but the um chorus of um you're my best friend has got one of those in there so it does yeah that's a really good example of that one that's a, got a lovely feel to it um, also it's kind, with, of, it's kind of like the opposite of the Motown thing of like taking the bass down a set every time it's kind of like taking the top <laughs> of the chord up totally and that, that those are the coolest things that, those are the ones that seem the most apparent to me you know when I was a teenager and I listened to music and stuff I'd realised like you say quite rightly with the Motown thing the bass kind of goes down no 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 well, it's kind of like, just over the same love my baby love. as that keeps going down throughout the song totally those are really cool moves um, one other one with augmented that I just love and it's relatively simple is um, again playing in C major um, say you're going to your 5G and you really want to kind of like build it up um before you go into a chorus or a bridge or whatever you're doing. So you play your G major 5, and then you make it into a G augmented by sharpening the D to a D sharp. And suddenly, this is an interesting thing, because the, the G major in the C major scale 
uh, is the dominant chord and it's the five and it, it's the one that really wants to resolve to C but by making it from a, a G into a G augmented you make it from a chord that wants to go to the C to a chord that really wants to go to the C and it's kind of got this lovely um, old school I don't know how would you describe it the augmented chord's got a really interesting place when it's in the place of a five I can see what you mean about being like it's it's because you've added that instability into there like it needs to resolve to something a lot more quicker um, that's some good Anglology Inglo- there um, <laughs> I, I also know what you mean about it having like this very uh, like turn of the century songwriter kind of thing like you can imagine that someone like uh, well he's not turn of the century but like Irving Berlin like using that a lot or uh, you know any of the other composers of that era which I don't actually know <laughs> I'm the same with those ones but yeah, it's got a lovely sort of feel to it. And again, it's one where um, it always comes from listening to music for me, or usually. Um, so there's been certain times where I'm listening to, I don't know, Harry Nilsson or whoever it is. I can't think of any song examples, but where they'll take the five of a scale, make it into an augmented rather than a straight five major. Um, and it just kind of, it pricks up your ear and you go, oh, what was that? And of course, at first, you don't know it's called an augmented chord, but... Um, but you just realise that by changing one of the notes, like you rightly said, it creates an instability, um, which, uh, you know, just wants to resolve. And I think it's just an interesting extra tool to have. Well, uh, sort of, you mentioned an interesting point there of, like, uh, hearing these in songs that you like. And if there are any chords in songs that you like that you think, what's that? The best thing you can do is, like, try and find out what the chords of that are, like, as soon as you can. Um, that's where, like, before we knew music theory i think we were both writing songs and uh we were using non-diatonic bits and we were using like you know minor fours and all of this stuff um which is actually something we didn't actually talk about probably gloss over quickly in a sec uh but like we didn't know the terms for it we didn't know like the theory behind it we just heard them in songs that we liked and just started putting them into our own stuff definitely like, so that's you know if you've learnt like loads of cool songs with this stuff in them, you you might already be using this stuff and just not realise that you're doing it. <laughs> yes, yes, totally, yes. That's it. Yeah, one thing I was uh, I did mention there, which uh, we sort of haven't talked about in great detail, but we sort of mentioned it a little bit, is like uh, disrupting a standard run of major, minor, minor, major, major, minor, diminished, and like changing them from majors to minors and vice versa we mentioned like uh putting your free as a major so that would be from if we're in c an e minor to an e major uh there's a standard trick as well like you do your f like from a major to a minor which uh you hear a bit in Beatles songs i'm gonna input uh put in a clip of one of them now there are places i That was a hell of a clip. And yes. yeah, it's a lovely It didn't move, even have it? the right bit in it. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be funny, yeah. Just play, like, the outro. Like, what? It's just, like, the chord from Hard Day's Night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's that's a gorgeous one. And that's one that, you know, um, 
I just kind of discovered by accident. I knew that I was writing in C and went up to my 4F. And like you say, just swapping them out. Like, it's supposed to be a major. Oh, okay, let's swap it for a minor and see what that sounds like. And and the result is it's you know, one of the nicest chord changes I think um, a boy can do. It's one of those things about music rules is that rules aren't rules in the traditional sense. Like, the rules of music are how a very specific set of music should sound like the the rules of diatonic music are more set up for when instruments couldn't change key on the fly so to create mm. nice music you had these sort of uh you know playing within one scale these rules that enabled that to happen uh nicely uh with the advent of equal temperament you can suddenly have music that changes as many keys as you want so a lot of this stuff sticks around because it creates nice harmonic music but it's not something you should follow hard and fast or you don't have to at least definitely it's, I mean all these things I think uh, are just things to try if they're of interest and um, the rules are there to be broken and they ask you to break them they want it they're happy with being broken they just they just they don't like being respected all the time yeah, it's like um, it's like uh, all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy, um, but with chords. All work and no play makes C minor an angry diatonic. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, are there any other chords you think we could mention that we haven't? I can't think of any myself. I'm rushing through my brain trying to think of... Uh, No, I can't think of anything specific. If there is something that we've missed and you uh, want to write in and go, oh, but what about if you're doing Discord? Uh, please do, and then we'll, we may like record an addendum or something because we're idiots. Mm. <laughs> Don't <laughs> yeah, know if I mean, you noticed. <laughs> I, I like to think of these type of episodes, oh, all of them, but particularly these type where we're like, actually, we're we're investigating this together. I mean, there are, obviously there are things that you and I, Declan, we don't know about chords, um, so... Uh, Speak for yourself, any... I know everything. <laughs> so if there's anything that kind of uh, you're listening to and it comes up and you go, oh, you actually missed something there, or um, here's something, particularly if you think there's something that we might be able to discuss that would interest uh, us that we don't know about or that we've gotten wrong or anything like that, we're always interested to, to have that discussion. Seconded. Um, Shall we round up? Yeah, I suppose, I suppose we'll round up, yeah. Cool, I shall keep speaking in this slightly too loud tone of voice because it's mildly irritating. <laughs> so that's it for this episode of the Weekly Song Podcast. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, today's episode was actually uh, inspired by an email to the show. And if there's, as Roger was just saying, if there's anything that you think we can talk about or that you'd be interested in hearing us talk about, uh, which may or may not have anything to do with songwriting, then send us in an email asking for it and we're so short of ideas we'll probably end up doing it uh the address to send things to is weekly song podcast at gmail.com and you don't just have to send in things like that you can send in responses you can send in letters you don't want read out that's fine just put a note and we won't if you do we'll do vice versa uh if you've written a song of the week why not send that in that might be nice i'm going to end every sentence with this noise uh, because i've started doing it i can't stop um, <laughs> where can they find you Roger um, they can find me at um, 
Uh, Instagram's a good place to follow me, Roger Heathers. Uh, RogerHeathers.com is the link to my band camp uh, where you can uh, get all my stuff, uh, all my songs and albums, that sort of thing. Spotify, what? Apple Music. Um, yeah, uh, give us a listen, see what you think. Um, where can they find you, Declan? You can find me on... You can find me and my current EP on Bandcamp. Uh, uh, just search for Declan Kitchener. Search for Declan Kitchener Music on YouTube and Facebook. I don't upload much there, but every now and then I do put something up there. Uh, it should be noted as well, Weekly Song Podcast also has an Instagram, a Facebook, a YouTube and presumably something else which was meant to come at the end of this list but i ran out of things to have in a list uh so yeah <laughs> this sentence is going on to its inevitable doom uh, i will be trying to put some more stuff on face on youtube uh during this downtime between seasons provided i don't have to do too much at work and the stress of life in general doesn't kill me <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. It made me laugh. Um, but yeah, um, absolutely. So uh, keep an eye on all those um, uh, all those places. And yeah, thank you for listening, everybody. Awesome. We shall see you next time. We don't know when that will be, but if it's before the next season, we'll probably put something on Facebook. So follow us there. Ta-ra. Ta-ra.